Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with some of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent Zoom meeting of the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This discussion is led by AIAP Director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. Well, let's go ahead and get started here. Um, this is a topic that June actually recommended last time we met uh, via, I think Norman is the one that um, he, he, he texted or something like that. So, and since then, I've had contact with several who have said, yeah, let's talk about this because I'm, I'm not really sure how to approach this or it's not working or it's working wonderful. So, uh, you know, the topic of assistance and um, interns as well as employees. Um, I know I know some of you here have employees. Are, are you on a situation where you they're, they're employees that you send a W-2? Do you know for tax wise, are they ten ninety nine employees or or independent contractors? Anybody that's got people? Yeah, Norm. Yeah, we, we we I have both. Okay, uh, we we got a small staff here. Uh, of course, I'm a business partner, and then we got a regular, and then uh, a couple of guys that uh, will shoot video for me. Uh, oh. He's a cameraman, and uh, we work quite a bit with them and, and they're here in their office studio quite a bit. So, uh, they're 1099, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we, we do it both ways. I, I don't actually have never had interns. So I'm kind of eager to hear about that, uh, how it works for other people, but we've never had any interns here. And, and Brad, I know you've, you've got employees, don't you? Yeah. I have an associate, a full-time assistant, um, part-time somebody who was my assistant who wanted to sort of stay in the mix who's working in a kind of part-time capacity okay um and and then my associate lauren does not have a full-time assistant so she has freelancers so we're doing w-2s and 1099s and 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 we have had uh interns here and there, um, we had an intern last summer, uh, but it was more of an intern for Lauren mm. um, because uh, my work doesn't uh, kind of go too well with having an intern. Yeah. Gene, you had your hand up there. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious on why the intern didn't work. Um, also, I guess what led me to ask the question is because now, I'm, fortunately, I'm growing and I need an assistant on, on shoots. And so yeah, although I'm a videographer, uh, I st started as a filmmaker, but people are hiring me as the photographer first. So I have to kind of outsource something that I'm, you know, I love to do as well yeah. on a shoot. Um, oh. The reason I'm having, I'm currently having difficulties because um Sometimes they're 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 saying uh, that they could do more than they actually deliver, and I'm wondering if you guys had any experience on how do you guys vet, how do you guys look at? Because um, now that I'm reading about like leadership, one of the biggest things that I've heard is hiring the right people, and that's where I failed from step one. So I was like, you know, I, I someone said, yeah, yeah, I want to I want to do it, I want to learn, become assistant, I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to do, and then you teach them. But then the next shoot, they completely forget it, everything you taught them. And I'm going through this Groundhog's Day thing. And I pretty much went insane last year. <laughs> well, so, yeah. How do you vet? Um, how do you source? How do you I test? That's really tough, personally. Um, I've had some really excellent assistants and some really terrible ones over the years. Um, but I, but while you were offline there for just a second, I was talking about interns, and I used interns for probably 12, 15 years on a regular basis. Uh, and it was because there were photography programs at universities near me that uh, had students with, you know, that that were actually interested and prepared and wanted to 
be involved in a business like mine. That's just no longer the case. Um, I haven't had a request for an internship for probably five years. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I hate to say it's because of digital cameras, but um, I'm not sure that anybody thinks they need to be an assistant anymore. They're just a photographer. And so I, that's, uh, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm not really sure what, what to say on that. Anybody got some thoughts? June, I talked to other photographers in your area. That's a resource. Uh, ASMP also has a list of photographer resources. And I think PP of A does, but I'd check out ASMP first. Uh, so this would be the, the, I mean, where I usually go to or talking to other photographers, someone's got a list or, or people have used uh, assistants, good and bad. And most assistants are, or consider themselves to be photographers who assist to get experience or to make some extra money. I think probably the best assistant in DC, and he's the, he's the only one I know who's a professional assistant. I mean, yes, he shoots some stuff, but his career is he's a professional assistant. And boy, when you have him on a shoot, it's fabulous. The, the, the problem solving that he comes up with and the ideas that he has are things like you're just doink. I never would have thought of that. But he's a he's a full time professional assistant. That's a pretty rare thing to find. Yeah. Uh, they're mostly photographers who are just are, you know trying to learn something, which is good. I also think that maybe to the point of where you were saying you teach them something and then the next time they've forgotten it, you know, it may be that that their interest in photography is in architecture. And so you're teaching them techniques and they're, they're kind of like, or, you know, lighting setups or whatever. They're kind of like, yeah, I'll never use this. I had a feeling. Uh, whereas if you can find someone who, who uh, you know, perhaps a real estate photographer and wants to, to move up to, you know, dealing with architects, things like that. Someone who's already got an interest in what you're doing, that's this specific part of photography, it's going to be much more attuned to what you're teaching them than someone who, you know, they're a wedding photographer and they're just making a, making a few extra bucks yeah. with you. Yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying that that's really interesting, Chris, because um, Al and I were talking before we started. You know, I, I was talking about, you know, shooting headshots and, and other things that we do here. I would think that someone interested in photography, I mean, I know for myself when I was coming up, uh, I wanted to learn everything. So it, it, when they pigeonhole themselves like that, um, I mean, I don't think that's something I want as an, as an assistant. Here in Chicago, um, you know, we have Columbia and they've got a intern program ship where they're always looking to place people. So if you have any, uh, you know, artistic college, colleges like that in, in your area, you must have. You can mm, call them and true. they always have a photography program or a fine arts program where they're looking to place people to learn about lighting or photography or no matter what it is you're shooting. If you're shooting bricks, they'll send somebody. I mean, it's, it's pretty extensive. So maybe source that. I guess, go ahead. I guess the biggest thing is how to test them to make sure they're a right fit. Like, yeah, I could Craigslist, I could post. So I'm, I'm getting them. I guess it's just how, how, how are you guys betting them? Are you bringing them on a test shoot or are you, just taking their word on their first shoot that they come and assist you. And you're like, since you're like so focused on taking care of your client, you can't really like train them and then get your shot done. And it just slows you down with everything. So that's, that's what I'm saying. How do you vet these assistants, interns, et cetera? I, I, I bet on a, I'll just interject and then I'll stop talking, but I bet on a small shoot where the client's not going to be there. Uh, you know, the client's going to be there. That's a whole other level of, of pressure. So if it's someone that has not been personally recommended to me by someone who I really trust, then um, then I vet on a shoot where, you know, if, if there's a hiccup, it's not going to look, I'm not going to look bad in front of a client. Well, I, you know, my, my, first I will say, sadly, I'm in the midst of doing this right now as of yesterday. Um but our our process is a bit different, and it's not going to be viable to everyone. Um, you know, my associate Lauren was my assistant for five years, and then uh, has been my associate for another six. So she's been with me eleven years. Um, Anton, my my assistant after Lauren 
was my assistant for about another five years, and uh, he's now being a stay-at-home dad. Um, and my current assistant, um, who I've had for the last year, gave her notice yesterday because she got poached by a big production house who was going to pay her 25% more plus health insurance and um, and a 401k. Um, our vetting process is typically that I have looked to my assistant and quite frankly, you know, most people have been here. So for a long time, um, there is much like family and I don't think anybody leaves here wanting to leave me in the lurch and how the vetting process typically is, is if you're going to leave, you find yourself your replacement. And I tend to have them do a lot of the initial contact and communication with the potential successors from the standpoint that I want them to speak with them candidly without my presence of what the job holds and what's going to be involved um, because I don't want anybody mincing any words. And then typically after we've gotten it down to, um, you know, a few people, you know, then I kind of come in and knowing that they've sort of already been vetted, that they have the requisite skills and now who's a good, good fit for somebody who's going to be traveling with me, you know, year round. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, Quite frankly, it's not any fun, and I'm not. I mean, we put out an ad, I think it was yesterday, and have 15 resumes from as far as San Paulo, Brazil, who say that they'll relocate to Columbus, Ohio, which I don't believe. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, that's, that's all nice. Yeah, we all want to work with you, Brad. We'll all relocate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's well, you know, they'll, they'll relocate to Columbus, Ohio, if I'm paying $70,000 a year for an assistant. Um, but if I were paying $70,000 a year for an assistant, then my assistant I had wouldn't have gotten poached. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, but I will say, you know, um, going back, I mean, my first real full-time assistant was somebody who was an Ohio University student who came to me for an internship who said, uh, you know, my final box I have to check is I have to work, go out and work in a studio. And so his spring semester of his senior year worked for us. Um, and the only reason he was unpaid is because he was getting college credit for it. And uh, the university said, you know, his payment is his college credit that he's getting. And when he came to the end of his term, I said to him, you know, what are your plans now? And he said, well, I guess I'll go look for a job. And I would like, I just spent the last three months training you. How'd you like to stay? And he ended up staying for about three, four years and now is working in New York city and doing quite well for himself. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not easier and it's getting, uh, more difficult all the time. And I think Alan, I think Alan's very correct that um, the approach to our profession today is not the approach to our profession as it was, you know, 30, you know, 25 years ago when I think most of us were getting into the profession with the uh, exception of our young soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I got a, I got a question. Are, yeah. are we when you when you're talking, June? Because this is your question. When you're talking about an assistant or an intern, are you looking at uh, 
at hiring somebody? Are you looking at an intern, um, you know, working in their composition? Is there education? What what are you looking for? Um, I'm actually looking to to pay someone to help me, you know, on shoots. Um, Because like for a drone, I'll need an assistant for a VO, visual observer. Um, Mm. When for photography, sometimes I need the assistant for photography or sometimes someone to capture video. So I'm looking for all three. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to pay them. It's just that I've hired maybe like five people, five or six people. Or yeah. Something like that where I'm like, okay, cool. They said they're interested. They give me this kind of resume and I was like, great, you know, I'll hire them on a shoot. And if I show you the videos that they gave me, they'll even agree. Some was like, wow, I feel so bad. Um, I won't even charge you for this. Mm. And I'm like, I, I can't go back and shoot it. <laughs> and yeah, of course you can. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's why I'm trying to figure out how to test and how to vet. And then sometimes, so it's like, you know, it's, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to pay them. I just need them to, and then I just need them to deliver on what they said they could do. And so far, uh, four out of five have not. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Jin, have you uh, asked to see a reel or uh, any samples of their work? If you're asking someone for video, I have uh, to make, and you've seen good work, and then they've come through with nothing. Correct, acceptable. Yeah, okay. they'll they make an excuse like, uh, see, I come from the narrative filmmaking world, so storytelling, storyboard, and all that stuff. Yeah, and shooting event, maybe because I've been doing it for a while, it seems really easy for me. But shooting event, they're like, oh, I didn't know how this is going to go. And I just, I was like, well, I just still wanted 4K 60p. I still wanted you to shoot these certain settings. I still want you to, and they're like, didn't, didn't do any of that. And they'll make excuses because they're coming from the narrative and they say the excuses narrative. And I think, I think what um, Chris said, maybe they just don't have a passion. And right when he said that, I was like, oh, he's a narrative filmmaker. He's doing short films. He's just doing this for a quick buck. It didn't turn out well, oh well, for him. Yeah. I think what applies for both um, hiring photo assistants and also, you know, video operators is you got to meet with them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And depending on how important the shoot is, you know, whether the client will be there, if there's other people on the team working, you know, you got to sit down, you got to train them. You've got to go through and say, these are the settings that I need you to use for the video and whatever it takes to make you feel comfortable that they're going to perform on that day is essential. Um, you can't just hire somebody out of the, you know, blindly basically and have them come in and hope they're going to do the job because that's tremendous risk. Um, and again, if you can take them on a, a shoot where there's uh, less pressure, no client test them out and make sure that they can actually do the job that you need them to do. It, it's, it's worth the investment, I think, because, you know, assistants, I'm in Connecticut. Um, I'm in Greece right now, but normally I'm in, in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, it's like 350 a day for someone to shoot, to assist you. And, uh, of course, you have to pay more if they're going to shoot video or do second shooting for you. But, you know, again, you've got to um, got to be comfortable that they can perform. And uh, I would also recommend um, uh, contacting the local ASMP chapter. If you're not a member, they often can, you know, we have an assistance list that we maintain. And these are all people that are pretty much vetted and, uh, you know, you can get recommendations from other photographers and all of these things will help you to feel a little bit more confident that they're going to do the job that, that you need. Um, we have a couple people that are uh, basically professional uh, assistants in Connecticut. So, you know, that if you hire them, you'll, you'll pay more, but you'll definitely get a, a great result. I want to, so I, so I have vetted it. Oh, well, uh, the way that I vet it was just looking at their reel. But like they said, it's a narrative. So I was like, oh, okay, great. But they're like storyboard and all that stuff. And no, this is an event. Just shoot it as is or whatever. So yeah, I got to figure out a different way to test them more realistically to the shoot than using their real music well, videos I, and short films. Yeah. What, I, what I've done, June, we just put somebody on in December, a second cameraman. Um, and I brought him into our studio and, uh, you know, I told him I said interview me, and I wanted him to do an edit. You know, I, I gave him terrible answers. I gave him good answers. I was uh, I made it difficult for him, and I wanted to see the result. You know, add the music, do the editing, add the photography, and and I mean we that, that's how that, that's how we put somebody through it because I want to see him actually do it. Um, 
and then I never send any. Only ever was only once that I send somebody on a job that I wasn't on, and um, never again. But uh, so, you know, okay. if they're going to assist you. You got to be there. Copy that. Um, it seems like there's there's a couple that we're talking a couple different lanes here too. Um, I think there's a, a big difference between hiring somebody to carry gear and and you know being a bag handler and actually and then to the other extreme is hiring a second shooter and um, those are such you know different things. They're both you could both call them an assistant, but uh, the thing that I found with with second shooters is that they may have a fantastic portfolio or or reel or whatever, but they had all the time in the world to do that. <laughs> you know, they didn't have to do it under a deadline. And so I don't, I think testing them, like Norman was saying, I think it, um, you know, even if it's just something simple, but a test where they have to think on their feet and produce something under the gun, that's really telling because uh, if you bring somebody in that's, you know, had a whole semester to do something and you're asking them to do the same kind of thing in an hour there's a world of difference there. And so, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I tested years ago and had people do things like that. I, I haven't done that recently. I, I mean, I don't, I don't use assistance anymore. Um, really I, uh, my wife works with me and I travel light and that's, that's the business these days. But in the days when I used to carry a ton of gear and run a studio and all that kind of stuff, I went through assistance pretty quickly. Uh, we lost. Who did we lose here? Somebody. Barry. Look, Barry. Barry. He got frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll come back. It looked, like he, it looked like he was home, so maybe he'll come back. Um, the going back to interns. Um, the way I found interns was to just find the university programs that were nearby. Um, the photography programs and there's a process that you typically have to go through to be registered with those uh, universities in order to accept interns from their programs. And so they, they want to make sure that you're a legitimate business and that you are going to provide um, an ex, you know, the, the right experience for their students and things like that. And uh, some of the best uh, assistants I ever had were actually college interns. So um, I think that's something I would highly recommend. Um, there, the ASMP used to have on their on their national site um, an assistance registry or directory or something like that. I don't see that anymore. Am I am I missing something on there? Or is uh, if, if you go on ASMP and look under Find a Creative, there's a drop down menu. One is find a photographer. The other one is find an assistant. Okay. All right. I got a, a question for you guys. Has anybody successfully hired a second shooter? I, I had an instance where I, I had a guy working to assist me and I was in traffic and I had a shot, a job to do. And I texted him six compositions that I did not want him to do. So he meets my client. You know, the six compositions he did. <laughs> the six I text, texted him. Anybody? Has anybody successfully had a second shooter? I mean, uh, well, that'd be I a mean, dream to me to be able to send out a second shooter. Only, only in the case, in my particular case, where it's an associate who was my assistant for five years and knows how I work and what the expectations are and those type of things. But other than that, no. Yeah, and I, I have. Think, in, go ahead. I was going to say that I'm shooting a, a massive house, um, thirty thousand plus square feet, and I had uh, an assistant that I'd worked with a lot, who then moved into the second shooter position. She was working independently throughout the house while I was shooting kind of the main shots, and so we would meet, you know, frequently to kind of review what she was doing, but. She was pretty much on her own. So in that context, I'm always there, but then I may not be directing her specifically um, because that's, you know, kind of the benefit of having somebody that, that you can trust. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Norman, I mean, one thing I will say to you, um, because you're kind of in the Chicago area, uh, 
is that one of my ex assistants moved to Chicago because his wife finished up her medical residency in Chicago and they live in Chicago now. And if you ever find yourself in the need of a second shooter, he'd be fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Email me his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, please. Oh, that'd be nice. It's always nice to have somebody you can rely on. I, uh, um, there was a guy that had a, a photo lab here, Bruce Starnberg, and maybe you know him. He's, he's in Oregon now. Um, but if I couldn't shoot something, I, I have no qualms asking Bruce to cover it for me. Uh, just a fantastic camera guy, you know, very professional. You don't have to worry about him stealing your, your client or anything like that. But, you know, he's now he's in Oregon. So, um, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll send that to you. Yeah, no problem. No, but and and Dustin, Dustin was my assistant for a good three years, and he's been in Chicago probably about ten, and uh, and he assisted for a while in Chicago, and then has picked up a group of largely interior interior decorator, interior yeah. designer clients, and he's very good. Yeah, excellent. And, uh, nice. But and and he's a great guy. So yeah, that's the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really and, and, and half of it right there. I mean, I I will tell you, Dustin, um, how he came to work for me is my assistant had left, and George Anderson, who was a photographer in Columbus, not an architectural photographer in Columbus. Um, said, you know, Dustin is, uh, you know, he, George is the kind of person who uh, Dustin was his go-to freelancer and said, I think Dustin would benefit out of having a full-time position. And, you know, and it was great for me. It was probably terrible for George. I mean, George did something that was not in his best interest because he lost his go-to by but he knew kind of as a fellow photographer in, in Dustin's growth, you know, to have a full-time position and, and working with me was a, a good thing. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd appreciate it. Send him along. I'd, I'd like I mean, it, it's interesting though. I don't think any of my assistants who came to me, came to me with a interest specifically in architectural photography. Hmm. And yet, I mean, three of them are practicing architectural photographers at this point in time. And, and that's where I was kind of upset with the person who's left. I, I know she's not going to be happy. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that sounds, that sounds funny, but I mean, as we all know, our roller coaster, our life is a roller coaster. And it's not, you know, you get off that roller coaster and you go, man, that was fun. <laughs> and then when you're not on that roller coaster, after a little while, you go, boy, I'd kind of like to ride on a roller coaster again. <laughs> That's so and, true. And, and I just don't think she's going to be happy. Uh, shooting stuff for Myers inserts in the Sunday paper five days a week for yeah know, no, a little I, bit more money. I, I get that. I and mean, we got the greatest job in the world. We really do. And I, I never worry about, you know, oh, I'm gonna put somebody else in business for composition. There's plenty of work for everybody. I, I mean that, that's that's never bothered me. Um, I, I get I get that a lot when I talk to other photographers. And, well, I don't want to put somebody else in business. I don't need any more competition. You know, if, if you got talent, you'll, you'll have work. Period. If if you're good at what you do, you'll have work. And and I and I've said it before. When when someone's hiring an architectural photographer, you know they're going to hire Alan because of Alan's talent. They're going to hire Brad because of Brad's talent. They'll hire June the same way. It's not going to be based on price or, you know, it's, it's based on, on what you can do. And so I think there's plenty of work for everybody. I've never been troubled with that. But yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in meeting Dustin because it'd be nice to have a, a second shooter. I could have used one a lot last year. And so it'd be nice. Yeah. June, let me ask you, um, 
what what's your primary need as far as an assistant? Is it is it as a second shooter, or is it just is it somebody to help you shoot? Um, it's like for instance, uh, when I am mainly shooting Twilight, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll set more than multiple cameras, and it'd okay. be great to have them sort of babysit. But also, say for instance, if we go on a set, and I'm like, oh, great, we'd love to set up a camera and continue scouting. Then I could have the assistant set up one set of camera while I shoot another one. So something like that mm. would be one. Um, yeah, I mean, and then of course, you know, it'd be great if they know video. I could teach them that because that's what I started with. And then as far as drone visual observer, I could train them uh, to do that. And also sometimes when I'm flying, I have the Inspire 2, which is, um, you know, once find the drone and then I need another one controlling the camera. Um, So basically the biggest thing is not like um, my, my, my bottleneck is not like finding, I guess my bottleneck is finding the right person or vetting them or testing them out. That's Mm -hmm. where my, 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 because people reply to ads, but I just need to figure out a system on vetting them. I'm just curious on how that goes. And if you guys have any assistance in Los Angeles, like, like Brad said, or Norman, if you have anyone in LA, let me know. I'll love, love a few names. Patrick McMullen. He doesn't do video, but he's wonderful. He he assists Betty Chan a lot. Okay. Yeah, he's great. He saved my butt several times. Nice. Thank you. Sure. I'll send you his information. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Um, for me personally, I use, um, you know, another photographer a lot for video. Not a lot, I shouldn't say, but I don't, that's not something I, I do or offer. It's not a skill set that I am comfortable with. And so I hire in video. And um, to me, that is such a crapshoot uh, to hire a videographer because, you know, like like I was mentioning before, Typically, I don't have all the time in the world for them to get it right. You know, the assignments, we have the assignment and it's gone. And if you didn't get it, it's not ever going to be there. So that's a tough one for me. And I don't know of a good resource for videographers because uh, other than maybe just calling other photographers or talking to other videographers, I've got one here in my local area that um, is excellent, but that's been a tough one for me around the country is to find a videographer when I have a shoot where somebody says, yeah, we'd like to add video to this. Um, and I'm kind of at a loss. And typically I have put that back on them and said, I'm sorry, that's not something I do. Um, I can't really help you with that. So. Yeah. I, I, I've got a good, two good video guys and, and they're part of our team. So um, if we're shooting in, you know, Houston, they're coming with me. Because you got to have that consistency. And, and I like my clients like my ability to be able to direct. I mean, I started shooting the video, but it's difficult to shoot it and direct it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I found using a cameraman is uh, is the perfect solution for that. And I, I've got a couple of good ones. So it's it's been, you know, if, if we're doing architectural and video, they're coming with me. Um, and we got the consistency with our work. So it's nice. And I, I think I said, did, did Pat do anything for you? I, I gave you Patrick's information, June, for editing. Uh, oh, a while Patrick. Back. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I, I want to just throw out one other thing. Uh, forgive me because I had a gap. I was having breakfast. I, I thought it wasn't important for you all to watch me eat at a late night. Um, the other part of being an assistant is knowing how to behave. So I just had a situation where... I mean, it, it could be far worse than not being technically proficient. I had a situation where, uh, well, this wasn't worse than that. Uh, I just, I had to shoot a dog on a golf course for a trade magazine. And it was going to be a proper portrait with a lot of high pressure. And I couldn't find anybody to go out to where I had to do it. I, I hired a guy who was well-recommended. He was extremely competent uh, as an assistant. He he knew lighting better than I did and all the rest of it. However, he didn't know how to behave, even to the point where he was uh, he handed the uh, 
our subject or the owner of the subject, the dog, um, his card, his business card afterwards, which is just, I, I, I was gobsmacked. I just couldn't believe it. And um, and he talked too much in general. He talked too much in, in many ways. And he had kind of a rough edge. He was very competent as an assistant. And so I'd never worked with him before. And I, I won't ever work with him again, you know, um, for that reason. You just, I just can't. And there were a few other things. So um, it was like that. So that's something that you can find out that uh, potentially that doesn't have anything to do with testing their knowledge is like what, uh, what Brad was saying. You, you just have to interview them and see if they fit because you're going to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, and That's just a people skills issue, but boy, it can make, a, it make all the difference. Barry, can I interject something oh, that for no, no reason other than pure humor? Um, after I graduated, I moved to New York City and worked as an assistant. And one of the people I worked for was Arnold Newman. And okay. when I worked with Arnold Newman, we did a um, we did a portrait of the Princeton Institute, and we were there for a couple of days. And uh, it was me and another assistant. And Arnold was very good friends with the sculptor George Siegel. And um, and he said to myself and the other assistant, I'm going to go to dinner tonight with George Siegel. George Siegel is my friend. George Siegel is not your friend. I have to feed you. So you're going to come to dinner with George and I. You're not to talk to George. You're not to be part of the conversation. This is not your conversation. This is my conversation with my friend George. And you're there to be fed. <laughs> so did uh, did Arnold insist on um, suits and ties and things like that? No, no. Okay. No, but I mean, my first job out of college was working for Richard Avedon. And we had, I mean, we were to wear uh, clean jeans, button-down shirt. Um, in fact, uh, I got in trouble once uh, because I was painting the psych in preparation for a Johnny Versace shoot. And Arnold and uh, Dick came in with... Uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, the Versace sister. Um, and I was, I had changed into a pair of red sweatpants to paint the site because I didn't want to get paint onto my clean jeans. And he brought them in to look at the psych and I was in the sweatpants and I was pulled aside after they left and told that if they ever saw those godforsaken sweatpants again, that I would be looking for another job. Yeah. I mean, you know, that job was the best job I ever had and the worst job I ever had. I mean, it was hell 50 times over, but, you know, you learned so much. You know, like like working for uh, Annie Leibovitz, from what I understand. Well, I, I was offered a job by Annie and by Dick at the same time and took the Avedon uh, position. And as I spent more time in New York City, I realized that everybody and their brother had worked for Annie and nobody. I never met a person who survived more than three months with Annie. But having Avedon on your resume open pretty much any other door that you wanted after that because that was not the case. Yeah. Well I can I can tell a little story about Annie, not that I experienced it, but this is also, I think, as an assistant, or we're going to be talking about assistance, our behavior is important too, right? And uh so uh I had heard a story when Annie Leibowitz went bankrupt to the tune of $24 million, which is a problem I would have really been happy to have. Um, and uh, uh, one of her, they interviewed a, one of her assistants, a guy whose name now I cannot remember, who's a very successful photographer. I, I'll look him up in a minute. And he told the story, which I verified with him when I, I interviewed him once, that she was a screamer and he was her first 
assistant for three years. And he, and she was cutting loose on him. And he just started yelling back at her, which he had never done before. And she just stopped. And she said to him, oh, it doesn't work on you anymore. <laughs> and so <laughs> he quit shortly after that. But what that indicates is that it's not necessarily completely unconscious, that, that behavior on the part of the photographer and her photographer. And it was that kind of behavior that I think would lead to what Brad said, that everybody had, a lot of people had cycled through. Yeah, when when you, guys, when you have your assistants, I mean, you you have them signed. Um, you know, like we have a, a, a you know a, re- a release when they're working with us that they're they're on our staff. Uh, they they can't promote themselves or their work or their independence or anything like that. Um, I mean, and then anything they do obviously belongs to you know we own the copyright too. If they were to actually fire a frame or video something, um, yeah. you know that's important to have all that paperwork too. The other thing that Mary Beth, my business partner, is we're going to do this year because sometimes we have four or five people on a, a job. Um, is we're going to be working, we're going to be wearing um, team shirts. You know, uh, we we usually wear a, a black polo and khakis, and we're going to have our logo on the on the shirt because um, I, I don't want any question that you know this person is working independently or has the ability to work independently. When they're with us, they're with us. So uh, it's important to get that paperwork and. Yeah, I going along with that. I, um, I think it's important that you that you make sure you've got all the legal things in place as far as 1099 employees with them, you know, signing an independent contractor agreement so that you don't have that problem down the road, um, because that can really come back to bite you if you haven't done that. And also, um, I don't think it it hurts to have them sign a non-compete agreement for um, you know, whatever is a reasonable amount of time, because, uh, I have had assistants who've tried to poach clients and, um, that happens on a, on a very regular basis, but getting back to what, uh, we were talking about previously about just about behavior. I, I think that's something that you have to teach because I'm not sure that a lot of the people coming into the industry, um, have that, um, have that education, shall we say, about how to behave with clients and certainly not how to behave with clients that are spending a lot of money and uh, that you don't want to lose and those kinds of things. And, and they've never been in a corporate situation. And so there are some things you need to tell them about how to dress and how to act and that they need to bathe and shave maybe. Yes. <laughs> those kinds of things. I mean, I, I had an assistant who was a great assistant, but he didn't bathe frequently enough. And um, that was a problem. <laughs> Unless we were shooting outdoors, I couldn't use him. Um, so um, there's just those little, little training issues. And uh, I think that that's, that's less uh, understood now than it maybe was, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I, I hate to keep harkening back to, you know, back in the, the good old days. But um, I, if you look at who we're competing with in some situations, uh, who companies are hiring or who we're reshooting for, um, it's, you know, somebody that's just out of college and they show up and they're kind of a mess and they don't have any professional demeanor. Um, and that's kind of the the mindset and so it takes some educating on our part if we do hire those people to say this is how you need to act and this is you know how you need to behave and um you know like brad was talking about uh sometimes we end up with high profile uh people or you know we're in somebody's home that's a very high profile person and uh we don't want them going gaga over the you know the family pictures you know just stay here and do the job with me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a picture of his yacht, but please don't call it out. Um, so anyway, just that's, that's just a personal thing that I, I just, I, I think manners are so important to make this really work. Carl, you had something there. Yeah. Um, hate to keep going back to ASMP, but, um, that's a lot of my experience. Uh, we've actually had a couple of, uh, assistant workshops, where in an effort to grow our assistant base in Connecticut, um, we've had you know full day um, or evening seminars uh, where we go through all sorts of things, and one of them is on set etiquette, um, and then some of it is um, you know working with various lighting 
uh, and wrapping cords correctly and just kind of the basics because a lot of people just don't know how to do it and they're not going to tell you until it's, you know, you're on the set, let's say, or, or on the shoot. So um, that's another thing that um, certainly ties into what you're saying, Alan. Uh, very important to kind of talk to them. And I always tell my people, um, if I haven't worked with them before, I'm like, you know, these are the expectations and this is what you, you know, you can't do this, you know, put your cell phone away. Uh, you know, I want you to, your full attention, you're being paid well and your full attention and, you know, don't talk to the client unnecessarily. Don't promote yourself. Don't talk about other shoots that you've been on, et cetera. Um, this year I did, we did a bowling uh, team kind of an event with uh, AIA. And uh, so my assistants all got um, logo t-shirts, um, which we haven't used a lot on shoots, but um, they're available if, if it's appropriate. So that's another way to kind of brand yourself and, and make it look like you have a cohesive group of, of, of regular employees when in fact they may actually be freelance assistants that you don't work with every time, but quite often. I think and that's I would say on the note of, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the Ohio Valley chapter of ASMP has done similar assistant workshops uh, probably every other year. All right. I'm going to check if LA does that. Um, but yeah, as far as the onset etiquette, I've been, like I said, that's where I started filmmaking. So when I was on a professional film shoot, um, uh, I was taught that you only talk to higher up the chain. So I was in the camera department. So camera assisting, which is loading the film, um, or nowadays would be loading the digital, digital media. Then you'll talk to the second AC, then the first AC, then the director. You'll never talk to the actor at all um, because they, the only person in their air should be the director script supervisor or wardrobe that they'll be talking to. Otherwise they need to be focused. So um, I was taught that way. So um, I do bring in the film and uh, filmmaking ex experience with my assistant and say, hey, yeah, you don't talk to, talk, don't talk to clients, especially when I'm hiring a videographer. So um, when Barry, you, you told me that story, it's kind of interesting that that's like filmmaking etiquette there. Like, because on a film set, you do not talk to the talent at all. I think that's really good, a good model. The, you know, the traditional film set um, is a really good model because those lines are very clear and yeah. you just don't cross them. <laughs> and, no, um, your last day on set. Yeah. Well, uh, also, there's, a, there's another thing that I learned. I, I never assisted. Uh, I, I only assisted after I turned pro, which is kind of the opposite of what everybody else does. And a friend of mine, this is not architecture, she was a, a portrait photographer, she was pretty successful. And she had uh, a gig shooting a, uh, a portrait for CEO magazine, it was gonna be the cover, and she was shooting Ephraim Zimbalist III. And um, so I had not done much portraiture at that point, and we went in and we set everything up and we we're gonna have about 20 minutes as these things often go. And it was an incredibly boring conference room. And she spent 10 minutes talking to him. And I just thought, why aren't you shooting? Why aren't you shooting? You've got only another 10 minutes. So what I learned from that was that, the, of course she relaxed him and she got much better photos than she would have gotten if we had just dove in and I was a baby. At this, I do want to do architecture, but you know, you don't have to talk to the kitchen cabinets to get them to look right. You just have to, you know, straighten them up. So that was a big lesson for me in terms of uh, client relations, also. So that now applies to you know an architect or a designer. If I go in, I'm not going to start shooting right away. I'm going to talk with them for a little bit, if, especially if I don't know them, if I'm meeting them for the first time or or something like that. And and I think assistants need to understand that the human component of all this is so incredibly critical for all kinds of reasons, including uh, relaxed people are just easier to get along with. So when you have a problem later on, when the sprinklers uh, are gonna come on when you're standing on the lawn, you can, you're more likely to be able to find somebody to sh shut them off or you know, find some other alternative. Anyway, I'm just making this up as I go. You get my general trip. Barry, I, I just, I. I hate to say it, you, your your stories bring memories back to me that are, are fun. Um, but again, when I was working with Avidon, 
um, when we were shooting Michael J. Fox for the cover of GQ magazine uh, or Mel Gibson for the, he would like 48 hours before that cover shoot, Avedon would rent every single Michael J. Fox movie, read up everything he knew about Michael J. Fox. And when Michael J. Fox walked in the studio, he was the biggest Michael J. Fox fan in the world. Yeah. And then when he took him on set, Michael J. Fox is like, I'm on the cover of GQ magazine. Richard Avedon's doing my portrait. He was putty in Avedon's hand. And Avedon could have him stand, sit on his head in the corner. And Michael J. Fox would be like, whatever you need me to do. 48 hours after Michael J. Fox, Avedon couldn't tell you fuck about Michael J. Fox. Right, right. It was all a show. And it was all him to be able to get that person to be able to do what he needed him to do at that moment in time. Well, you know, this is something that I think, because I, I teach, I teach business practices and I've done, you know, classes and workshops. I'm about to start another class at, in San, San Francisco for the city college. I think that one of the things that uh, young people who are going to be assistants or even photographers, if they're going to skip over, uh, don't understand is how much work goes into the prep. So you look at somebody like Avedon and you think, well, you don't need to do anything. He's Avedon. He just shows up and he's a, he's a genius and all the rest of it. And what I think a lot of young people don't recognize is how much work prep goes into what we do in advance, you know, not just the technical work, but also the, you know, you know who your client is, you've looked at their website, you you know kind of what photos they might expect or what you want to surpass, certainly, and all of that. And so that level of intensity and work going into it means you can't ever relax. And I think a lot of young people don't understand. They think you reach a certain point and you can chill, right? It's all kind of automatic after that. You just kind of groove on. And I don't know how to get that across other than just to talk to them directly about it or just watch, have them watch you do it. I, I tell a story. I think I may have even told this story before. This guy, PJ McMullen, who I, I just mentioned, who's, who I use in LA, uh, who doesn't do videos, by the way, as, as far as I know, but he was great. We had a long day shoot and we ended up having to go back to my hotel room and we were hanging out. And while we were there, I get a call, I get an email from a potential client. And I said, I'm, I'm going to talk to this person and, and this and that. And I realized pretty quickly he had never really seen this process. And I and I said to him, you know, I'm going to have to like turn out a proposal right now. Uh, do you want me to walk you through it? And he nobody had ever taken him aside to say these are the nuts and bolts of what goes into an agreement. And or even what I explained to him is in my initial phone call, these are the questions I'm going to ask. And this is why, because it's all going to go into this. And it's all about showing that I'm competent at the same time and a problem solver for them. This is somebody I'd never worked for before. So I think that that's something that was so valuable for him, but nobody had shown him, done that for him before. I was kind of shocked. Um, again, I was going back to some things that people were saying earlier when I wasn't um visible, um, which is, uh, I don't worry about him taking my place, you know, and um, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I like, if I could just interject, you're always looking for topics. And I don't know if you've done this in the past, because I've only been on for a year with you guys. But nuts and bolts of our business. I mean, I think that's, that, that's a great topic. Because there is so many, you know, things in the past. I, I get photographers calling me, hey, Norman, you know, how do you license something? Or, or what kind of contracts do you have? Or what do you do with a, with a, um, you know, an assistant? Like we're talking about uh, agreements and so forth. You know, I, I think sharing those among each other. <clears throat> I had one photographer call me and he, he sent me this license agreement. It was, it was like 10 pages long. <laughs> Mine's a sheet of paper. with Two paragraphs in it. And, 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 and I sent him that back and he goes, what's this? Is That's my agreement. And he still uses it today, um, but it, it's it's so important because you don't want to scare your client in, in that professionalism. Um, yeah, right, Barry. That's that's a great story. Also, by the way, in terms of long contracts, a lawyer explained to me when I was a contractor. He said, you know, 
the longer a contract is, the more loopholes and, and problems you, you can have. The simpler that it is, uh, the less argumentation is That's exactly possible. what my counsel told me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. But I, I, I like sharing those things. And, um, and if it helps somebody, you know, great. I think that's the, the camaraderie. We need that back. I'm tell you. I think I think that's yeah. I think that's a great idea, and and uh, maybe we ought to consider that for the next time. Because I'm just thinking of all the prep that goes in. You know, once I get the phone call from somebody, it's <laughs> yeah. a client I've never worked for. Then I I have to start studying, and uh, there's a lot that goes into that to to make it look like you know when I show up on set that yeah I know all about them. <laughs> oh yeah everything they've done and oh, I know yeah. exactly what you want. And uh, yeah, it doesn't happen that way very easily. So I appreciate you know, even. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, even if you don't know everything about them, just taking a few minutes to talk to them and ask them questions about themselves. Yeah. Everybody likes talking about themselves. So yeah, you could consider it stroking, but uh, you know, that's social interaction. It's all stroking back and I don't think all day long. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to make friends with your client. <laughs> no, no, it's much more better. And again, you know, one of the things that I always I say too is that in terms of client relations is, I mean, I always, and I know I've said this before, I always offer to take, if I'm doing residential work, I always offer to take pictures of their dog or their kid or something like that. It's really pretty easy. Um, I mean, I'm not going to spend two hours in post on a, on a photograph, uh, but most people don't take me up on it. But what it does do is it, uh, on the part of the homeowner who I'm really concerned with is what if I have to go back, mm -hmm. right? Or what if I have to stay longer or come earlier? So just creating any kind of trust with them means my life is going to be easier professionally. And so it's a, such a tiny thing to do. Plus, as I say, they almost never take me up on it. I do, by the way, often grab the photos as uh, anyway and, uh, and send it to them. And some of those are on my website. Cool. Yeah, I, I think another part of that that's really important is when you're showing up, especially if it's a large scale production. Uh, you know, I, I learned this at a seminar. It was just a three day business seminar. The only thing I ever learned was this statement, when in command, take charge. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's so important because they're, they're hiring you. You know, that gives them security. You're the professional. You're yeah. the problem solver. You're the one there directing things. And when they build, when they see you do that, they have confidence in your abilities and, and they'll follow direction. They'll follow right in the suit. But if you go there hemming and hawing and wondering, um, you know, you're out of a job in no time. In command, take charge. So. Thanks, Norman. I think we're going to wrap this up here. Um, I hope, June, I hope this has been helpful to you personally. <laughs> it has, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I love Brad's and Barry's stories are fantastic. <laughs> and I, yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing those. Those are um, such cool insights. And I really appreciate how forthcoming everybody's been on this. Uh, I think we'll probably, you know, maybe have some follow-up to this at some point. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering if it would even be worthwhile to maybe have a directory of assistance throughout the country that we uh, feel sure. comfortable with. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, reinvent goal. something ASMP has already done, but... Uh, I, I could recommend some. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and and maybe even if we need an assistant, maybe you know, maybe we just shoot one another an email and just say, "Do you know of somebody in this?" Because we kind of cross paths across the country yeah. all the time. I always do. I do that all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's how I found the guy who you know handed the client his card and then in the <laughs> parking lot as we were leaving at ten in the morning uh, handed me a joint. <laughs> which was the final thing that I said, I can't, I don't mind the joint part, but handing me a joint in a parking lot in the middle of the morning in broad daylight where Not the potential client could have seen it. I just thought, you know what? We're yeah, sorry. Bad judgment. <laughs> sorry. I've, I've, I've digressed. Hey, Brad. Well, if, if anybody has somebody looking for a full-time assistant job, <laughs> please send them my way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the job search is on. Oh, we're, we're all going to look at Brad differently now, knowing that he worked with Abaddon. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen yeah. to Brad's interview that's on, on YouTube on, on our uh, That's really cool. Um, very interesting information. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody. I hope that you have a good first quarter. And let's do this again next month. 
we'll uh, come up with some topics and uh, hopefully it'll be something that everybody's happy to talk about. Thanks again for being here and taking the time out of your day and have a good weekend. All right. Thank you, Thank Alan, you Alan, Alan, for putting it together. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Thanks everyone. This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted, and may not be used in full or in part, without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.